Welcome to Linda's Corner. My name is Linda Bjork, and today we're going to be talking about returning to a place of faith. I'm delighted to welcome special guest, Joe Rocky. Joe created a successful real estate career. He is a champion axe thrower, and he is also the co-host of the podcast, Father and Joe. You can listen to Joe's podcast at his website, and I'll include a link in the show notes. Welcome, Joe. I'm so glad that you could join with me today. Well, thank you for having me. Yes. I am excited for this conversation, and you are a bit of an enigma, kind of a mystery to me. Here you are, you studied business and accounting and and it, real estate investing and all the ways to be able to make money. And then you're a champion axe thrower, which seems to be very unaccountant-like behavior, if yeah, I may well. say. And then in addition to that, you have this whole other uh, uh, side thing going on that doesn't make any money. And that is a podcast to help people be able to return to their faith. And so it's kind of, you are complex. You can't really stick you in a box and throw axes at you. So can you tell me who you are and why you do what you do? Yeah, so um, so a lot. Um, so uh, so the, the axe throwing actually kind of flows in with with the, the, the faith element here because where it really started was, was a thing that my wife and I could do together because... The axe throwing of its very nature is not a strength thing. Some people just instinctually think you got to throw it really hard to get it stuck in a tree. And it's really not. I mean, the thing only weighs three pounds. So it's really more about finesse and technique. And I knew eventually she was going to get better than me because she listens better than me. Um, and that's basically <laughs> is what's happening now. So before COVID, yeah, I, I was really good at it. I certainly lost uh, a lot of the technique of it because I just wasn't doing it every day like I had been before. Um, and a lot of people did stick with it. So, so I, I have been lapsed since then, but at one point, yeah, it was good. But the essence of it, of, of having something to do where you're seeing a group of people, um, people I never would have met otherwise in life and, and having something fun to look forward to. Uh, I personally love it that our league's on Thursday night. To me, it's the best night to do it because no one really does anything on Fridays anyway. So, um, you know, you get something to look forward to and almost start your weekend a little early. Um, as far as the businesses and all that, you know, we created, I created those because I wanted to have essentially residual income. I wanted to get paid for work I did younger in my life when I'm older in life, because at the end of the day, that's really what retirement is. It, it's having enough stream of money. It's not necessarily a big pile of money. A pile of money can become a stream of money. But it's the stream of money is you're ultimately going to get to anyway. So why not start that now? So that's essentially was the mindset when I started the real estate entities back in 11. And, um, you know, since then, they've been growing and doing their own thing. And certainly have had a lot of uh, experiences, good and bad, in, in that arena. Um, and ultimately, um, what, you know, led me to, to, to talk with you here today was the conversation we want to have about faith and the Father and Joe podcast is kind of, what started that here, and we started that in 2017. And for those people who don't remember a life before COVID, um, 2017, everyone hated everyone because there was an orange man in charge. Uh, paraphrasing life. That was what we were doing here. Uh, whether it was a real reason or not, reasons were created to create division within society, essentially. And they were getting perpetuated by regardless of which news channel you watched. Um, it was everywhere, and it was you know, Facebook, Twitter, whatever, that it's all designed to do that. And I understand why Facebook and Twitter have done that is because they're created by algorithms, which the more attention goes to the crazier stuff. 
I do not understand why adults were talking to a camera perpetuated it. Mm-hmm. But nonetheless, um, we started that. Uh, we started everything here in, in the, the podcast 2017. We have just released episode 278 or something like that, um, or recorded it, maybe not released it yet. Uh, they release once a week on Tuesdays. And, and really, it's, it's the goal of it is to look at practical applications of, of what faith really is in real life. So obviously, it, it, there's a lot of conversation about relationship and prayers and just some X's and O's about this is wrong and this is right. He is a Catholic priest. I mean, he, he's been trained in all this stuff way more than I ever could. So the, the, there is that comes into play. But then there's also real world stuff that comes into play. It's really kind of designed to, 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 to calm and get you thinking about what is important when we really look at what's guiding our lives. And we hopefully give people a chance to just slow down and think, you know, where are we during the 20, 25 minutes or so, whatever each episode is. That is great. So I'm trying to decide, should we keep going with the podcast thing? Or do I had a question that I'm probably going to forget if I don't go back? So we'll see. Shoot it but, now. Let's see where we're at. Okay. So I, when you talked about, okay, so the axe throwing started and part of the faith and a connection with being able to do something fun with your wife. And so I haven't yet put all those pieces together of how those things fit as part of the story. So it's like, to me, it's a little chapter that has, and then there, and then we went on and I didn't figure out all of this part yet. So oh, fair um, enough. Well, 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 um, the, uh, the, at the end of the day, the, the, the marriage is like the most important thing I have going, right? Um, the, the, the rest of the rest of everything would, would fall apart without it. I mean, that's really the, the glue of life. Um, it, it's just the way it is. I, I recognize I'm not good at everything and, and she's good at the vast majority of things I'm not and vice versa. Um, and that's why it works. Um, you know, one of the things that I believe that I think that makes me different from the majority of society is that uh, my relationship with my wife is more important than my relationship with my son. Because um, if there's no us together as a marriage, his life effectively is ruined. So um, I, I treat it like that every day. And while one person can be a good relation with someone else, most people need a network of relationships in their life. And Seeing people on a regular basis through something such as axe throwing or whatever have you um, is a way to do that. So that that's hopefully that kind of connected the chapters, and made it a little bit more. Okay, so I'm getting forward. I'm getting a little closer. So I I can see that your relationship is very important, particularly with your wife, which I absolutely love, and I think that really is the foundation. And that is what makes you know when you're talking about raising children, we should love our spouse more than we love our children if you're going to do some sort of hierarchy, because that relationship is the foundation on which those children were created in the first place. So I'm with you. And I think that that's a really cool and fun activity that you have found something that you enjoy to do together. So, but you also said that that was part of the faith thing. And so how does that connect your relationship and the axe throwing? Because this is a really fun kind of segue and your faith. Well, I mean, really, it's so. So the, that's one of the things that Father has probably taught me for the five years continuously throughout it is that living our faith is relational, and ultimately, at the end of the day, the more positive relations you have, the more you're living your faith. Um, paraphrasing five years of him teaching me stuff into one sentence, that's probably the direction he would want to take it. Is that the practical application of your faith is through other relationships? And, you know, you can kind of see people trying to mimic that 
um, in other areas of life, particularly like in sales and management, teaching things where they're like, you want to, you know, be able to relatable and good with your employees and all that stuff. But in reality, what it is, is it's living your faith and, and trying to take the, the faith element out of it, I think is doing people a disservice. Um, you know, th- there should be something greater that you're working for than just the check. And for most people, it is. Now, don't get me wrong. Money's an important resource and, and it's certainly necessary. But if that's the end all be all, um, you end up really putting yourself in a unhappy long term situation. And, and that's kind of what, where I was trying to, to get with is that it's the relationships of ev- of everyone that really kind of brings brings you out into becoming a higher and more happy person. Ooh, okay. I love that. So it is all about our relationships, your relationship with your spouse, your relationship with your child, and your relationship with God. And it seems that when we have our relationship with God in a good place, then that's really, we talked before about how a marriage is the foundation for a family creation, but our relationship with God is the foundation of who we are and why we're here, and it is the root, really, of everything. And I've talked to lots of different experts. I talked to this wonderful uh, physician. She'd been practicing for 40 years, and she said, you know, we have our physical health and our mental and our emotional, our spiritual. She says, and I have done the work. I've worked with everybody. And she said, and now that I've put my faith in a good place, I realize, you know what? When we have that one correct, a lot of the other things fall into place. And I think that is really the magic is if we can get this element correct, then everything else just works out. And Mm -hmm. so I love how you put it together. And I I listened to one of your episodes and it was about how you were at the hospital and you had an incident with your son and you weren't particularly happy with the way things turned out. And, um, and then say, so this is a real experience that I'm going through and how does my faith come into to play? So would you mind just kind of giving a, a quick overview of kind of what happened and what your takeaway is of how we can use these real life experiences to be able to say, okay, how, how does that fit? Because to me, if, 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 if we're talking about church is Sunday and then I've got the other six days of the week that have, and there's no interconnection, that, then it's like, well, then this doesn't matter or something doesn't matter, Right. Yeah, yeah. Well, first off, off that point, it's hard to live compartmentalized. In fact, it's nearly impossible. Um, and to give a very vivid example, that's how they try to build the Titanic to make it sink proof. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't work. Once one component got flooded all the way through, it eventually got to the next and the next. And same with problems in your life. You know, you, you can't isolate one part of another. If you're um, horrible in one element, it's going to bleed into everything else because essentially, you have relationships with everyone else. You know, you, you can't go online and be essentially venomous and toxic and don't think that that doesn't spill over in your workplace or in other elements of your life. So um, that's, that's, that's just the, the, to go off your comment there. But to answer your question about what I was going through, um, obviously I only have one son. So, so this is the first time for all of this stuff is kind of the starting point. And Joey obviously get, gets born. So the whole birthing process was, was new to me. Um, and, um, so this would have been the, the first follow-up thing that he did outside the hospital. So we, we now had a selected doctor. Uh, we had really no idea what we were looking for. We, we flat out just picked the one that was closest to us. Like, all right, we'll, we'll see what it is. I mean, cause if it works, it's closer, it's better. Right. So, um, that was the thought. 
And we got there and just immediately, it was one of these things where I just knew it was the wrong answer. Mm. Um, you know, part of my life for the last 11 years is make judgments on, do I want to buy this house or not? And I make that choice essentially in 10 minutes while walking through the house. So I have this kind of already pre-wired into me for, for judging this, but nonetheless, we go through it. Um, we're there. We kind of have to, you know, at least let the, let the doctor see them. But what they had was they had, they hadn't updated their uh, equipment. So for those who don't know the baby, when he's that, when he's that new, um, the temperature is essentially how they gauge any problem. If there's something wrong with him, it's going to be because the temperature is wrong. It's either way too low or way too high. So, um, he's already super tired just by the virtue of the day. And we don't know how to put him on a schedule yet. He's four days old or whatever. Um, so we take him there. He's already cranky. Um, it's time for them to give the, the thermometer. And the, the only way they do it is, is, is they do it rectally. Um, I think that's how you say that. Um, well, the long story short is the first time they did it, the thermometer was, was the broken one. The fact that they had a broken one is the thing. Um, so he didn't like it. He freaks out even more. The second time she didn't get in there. Right. Um, and this whole time he's underneath an AC vent that is going and puffing out cold air on him. So combined all of this, he is not happy freaking out and and ultimately puts up a score that's lower. Um, you know, we go from being told that our baby is eight degrees lower and there's a good chance he's going to die. Um, that's basically what the doctor said without saying it. I'm looking at him. I look at the situation for what it is, and I effectively know that this was just a botched situation. And I'm like, so, so we get forced to go to Children's Hospital. Um, and at Children's, there are some legitimate children there that you can tell there's something wrong. Like you look at him immediately, and you know something's going on. And, and I wish that wouldn't happen to anyone. But there's a much larger percentage of people that are basically just there because it's free and they're hanging out. Um, and, and that part was very frustrating seeing this in practice. I, I've heard people complain about this um, for years, but to actually see it in practice, um, you know, it was very shocking because I don't go to the doctor. I don't know what any of this stuff is really like in, in, in reality. Um, we're now in line to get to a, um, a doc, uh, another doctor to basically judge whether we're worthy or not to be attended to. Um, you know, back to the main hospital wings. They're like a triage doctor there. And so, so now we're, we're, we got this panic, we got this worry and, you know, deep down, I feel that there's nothing wrong. And ultimately that ends up being the case, but you don't know that in the moment you were just told that, you know, there's a major problem here and, you know, all of my gut instinct can tell me it's not, but this is a medically trained person who has, or, you know, been around the block, so to speak. So she should know what she's talking about when she said there's a big problem here. So we get to the, the nurse. The nurse basically looks at him and said, there's nothing wrong here, but because you're here, we now have to go through this process because, you know, it's a bureaucratic system. You're now signed up in it and congratulations. So we, we sit into, you know, we, you know, we sit back there for two to three hours. By that point, he was back to normal temperature. He had eaten twice. You know, he was totally fine. There, there was nothing wrong with him. Um, but the, the part that, that really got to me was, um, a, how the bureaucratic system could suck you in and not let you out. That was just a core political thing that upset me. But but more of the core concept, I was taking someone's time and energy when I felt at the end of the day, we didn't need it. And everything that was placed on us in that situation was essentially undue 
and in my opinion, because the original place we knew went to knew they were getting paid regardless and didn't feel like upgrading their equipment, um, paraphrasing the entire experience. So, you know, obviously a tidal wave of emotion and then the whole time they're trying to calm, calm my wife. So, so it, there's a lot of, a lot of heightened emotions, especially when you get told that, you know, you're, you're, you're less than a week old baby might die and you just delivered this baby. So there's obviously a giant amount of hormones I will never understand in that world, but they're real and it's a lot. So I, I know that much. And that was essentially what that experience was, was trying to keep everything calm. And I really do think that having the opportunity to have myself grounded, which really is, I think, a big offshoot of trying to live a faithful life, is you become grounded. That That's part of what uh, the virtue of temperance is, is not freaking out. It, but in that case, it would be not releasing anger on the world just because something bad happened to me. Okay. So th- that's that's a direct correlation in my mind that goes from something that we do that we're advised to um, for the faith um, being applied through the conduit of a grounded you know, spiritual side of my being and not taking it out on other people. Because the other truth was if I started flipping out on people, no one was going to want to you know, come help us if we're not being recipients yeah. of that. Yeah. So, And that's so... There's so many unknowns, because like you said, this is a situation that you have never been in before. And so we are, you're relying on the expertise and the experience of someone else. And then to feel so frustrated that the the care wasn't what it should be and that the expertise wasn't what it should be. And, and there's fear involved and there's frustration and there's anger and, and all of these different things. And these are so normal to everyone and the experience, whether the exact experience will be different for other people, but having those same feelings of, of being really let down and feeling uh, not in control of the situation, that's, that's really frustrating. And I thought it was interesting at the beginning when you first attended this new, this new place that you said your gut, your instinct said, this is not a good fit for me. And it's interesting that in some areas of your life, you have developed that and that intuition that where in your business world, within 10 minutes, you recognize, yes, I'm going to invest in this property or no, I'm not going to invest in this property because it feels right. And to be able to develop that feeling and to be able to trust that gut instinct, I think is a very valuable skill. And sometimes we learn when we didn't listen. And then we have the consequences that follow through. So from this experience, was there any other takeaways, anything else that you felt like, you know, um, because of my faith, because of my understanding, my relationship with God, it helped me be able to navigate this situation a little better. Or maybe if I didn't do awesome, I can do better next time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So I think being there and kind of already knowing that it was going to be okay. Like that was the other part of it is I, I didn't know how to describe it, but I knew everything was okay. Mm-hmm. You know, like despite the fact all the rest of this was going on, I did. I just knew, obviously I'm able to apply some logic to it. You know, he, he, we were able to hold him now. He's not physically cold. You know, if you were so cold, you were sick, you'd be able to, to detect it. He just, he wasn't happy and he wasn't playing nice with the, the other doctors. So that's what happened. Um, so, there was this sense of, of, of yes, yeah, we, we, we knew it was going to work out. So 
it then kind of, once it settled, especially after he ate when we were in the waiting room, it just more settled into this is, he's not, he's fine. We just now have to go through this bureaucracy, essentially. Um, and, you know, a lot of opinions about why that was a waste. And, and then, that, then at that point, that's not about him anymore. It's about me getting my time wasted. Right. Which, unfortunately, it's not the first time that's ever happened. No. First time in this context. And it won't but be the last. It won't, exactly. So, like, it, it, uh, this is something I just have to go through. Just, it will be over when it's over, and I can't control that. And, and I think that that's part of the faith structure that that really comes into play. You know, the, there's certainly much we control. We can control everything that comes out of our mouths. We can control. We can control... You know, the amount of exercise and the things we eat. But there's really the list doesn't get too much longer than that. You know, you can control where you choose to live, but you can't control who your neighbors are. Or will your neighbors stay the same way they are in the future? Um, you, every relationship you're in, at best, you can control half of it. Um, you know, you control what you bring to the table. You don't know how the other side will react forever. But that being said, there are certainly, um, you, you can tell who someone is by their patterns. Um, and for better or worse, most people will never actively review their own patterns, um, which makes them on one hand wildly predictable. Uh, but on the other hand, that's it, it, how you can end up in the same spot over and over. So if your patterns are negative, it's very hard to to change them because you never look at yourself as negative, especially if you're externalizing all of your problems. So. That that's another part of the faith. I mean, we've discussed that, that, you know, at the end of the day, you're responsible for what you did. And, you know, that's ultimately what you're judged upon. So it, it becomes very personal. You can't externalize and say everything bad's happening to me. It's okay. Maybe you're caught in the middle of a hurricane, but what did you do to try to make your situation better for yourself and for your family? Mm -hmm. So that's a, a, an important element that gets called to it. And for most people, that will bring an element of shame. So they don't want to do it because who really wants to deal with shame? But shame basically is the same as getting a D on a test. You know, do you want to accept that you're going to fail chemistry or do you want to get better and study harder next time? And that's really what our biological system is, is you did something wrong and you're feeling it through this emotion that we call shame. Um, you know, and, and I think that that's something that we're trying to erase from society and I think it's the completely wrong direction that is happening. Interesting. But that's a, that might be a little bit of a Okay. So I let me see if that. I can catch. I'm trying to um, trying to catch the, the, the pieces parts as we're connecting to faith. I'm catching that it that we're not in control of everything. And there is, but we are in control of our reaction to things. That part we are in charge of. And you talked about accountability and how having a coming from a place of faith and recognizing that there is a God, and you mentioned that we are judged, that that helps us to become aware that we are accountable for our responses, for our actions, for our words, for our role, however big or small that may be, that we are playing. And also, you're talking about the idea that when we feel, and you use the word shame, and, um, and I can see that that means the, the word, we have words that we all use. And sometimes one person uses a word and it means this, and we can use the exact same word and someone else means it to mean this. 
So yeah. I'm going to, for, for my, for my brain, I'm going to change that to guilt. Um, Brene yeah, Brown, she talked about for her, the difference between guilt and shame is guilt is I did something bad or I did something wrong. And her definition of shame is I am bad and I am wrong. So just for my mm-hmm. brain, I'm, I'm going to use the word guilt, but I, I totally understand that, that you could use a different word and it would make perfect sense. But when we have those feelings that don't feel good and we recognize, okay, I, I didn't respond correctly. I, I didn't do things as I should. And then again, coming from that place of faith, we, you're saying, you know, those feelings that are uncomfortable are actually trying to help you. They're trying to help you to be, uh, to make a change, to recognize that there's something that is not in harmony, that is not in line with what is good. And by, by, we don't want to ignore those and we don't want to pretend that they don't exist. And we don't want to try to erase those feelings and say, well, just don't feel them because they serve a purpose. So am I close? Am I getting, you, am I you're getting 100% elements? correct. Okay. Um, yeah. So, so it's really those moments that if you look at, at how people get in trouble long term in their life, they're trying to run away or dissipate or hide those those feelings or emotions or funnel. I mean, at the end of the Absolutely. day, that's the majority of addiction is trying to get away from those types of feelings. Absolutely. If you, when you interview alcoholics, for example, mm-hmm. so um, you know, it, it, part of it is is to recognize that yes, the, the what the correction you made there is that doesn't mean that you're a bad person. It means you right. made mistakes. Well, we all have and we all will. That that's part of life. This is not condemning you for for doing the wrong thing. This is looking back, you know, what what did we do? How do we get there so that when we get to the situation again? Because yes, there are once in a lifetime moments. You're never having another senior prom as a senior. That's part of life. But the concept of being with each other in a social gathering, that will happen again. So the essence is there probably will be some form of a repeat version of this. Um, so the, um, the, the point being is that the, 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 the guilt, which is a better way of saying, is your body's way of saying deep down, I should have done something differently. Mm-hmm. And for most people, it's start doing something because many people have just tried to um, just remove the, if I remove everything that's bad, I can't do anything bad. Well, that's not really how life is. If you sit around and be indifferent to stuff that's not acceptable, you're inherently being complicit with it. So, you know, if you, I'm not saying you go out and become an activist for every political thing you don't agree with. That's, that's not what I'm saying at all. But what I'm saying is if you, if you see something and you're letting it slide, um, particularly with someone that, that you're teaching, um, you're essentially saying it's okay and you should do that. So there, there is a, a massive call for when you see something wrong to, to stand up to it in some capacity. Now, obviously, we all have different capacities based upon our stage of life and, and where we're at. You know, I, um, I, you know, I give the example of you can get a lot more accomplished if you are the president than as I can as just a random guy on the street. You know, I can do things because that's just the ratio, the spot where I'm at. Now, does that mean that I I'm useless and can't do anything here? No, not at all. It's actually the opposite. I believe that virtually every big picture problem gets solved with the individual. And then the individual um, will spread it and become you know, more aware. Um, and then the problem itself normally goes away. Um, you know, that, that's something that, that politicians really try to avoid that fact. But 
normally problems go away because the populace themselves fix it, not because something came from Washington. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that is really kind of the way that, that life is, if you look at it. And it starts with yourself and, and the most basic relationships you have in your life. Who do you spend the most time with and how do you make them better? So if you sit there and, and think about, you know, we're growing apart from somewhere because that can happen. You don't spend time with a relationship and inherently can fade. Um, you know, how, what can we do to restore this? You know, simple thing for anyone out there listening, just call. Just call, don't text them, but actually call someone that you're having that thought with. Like, oh, I haven't talked to whoever and actually had a real conversation with them in a while. You know, think of the closest, the person who you'd want to be closest to, whoever that is in an ideal world, who would you be absolute closest to? And, you know, by the end of the day, give them a call, even if it's completely out of the blue and surprise and you don't know how it's going to go. It might be scary. It might be, I haven't talked to my son in, you know, three years and, you know, there's some rift there. It doesn't matter. Just do it. And life has a way of, of working these things out when you push the first step. Cause typically people are so afraid to do the first step, um, for lots of reasons, but whatever that fear is, I can tell you, once you do it, you're better off for it. Um, and you'll be in, be in a better situation at the end of the day. Um, so I guess that's something I would say to anyone who's listening to this, you know, by the end of the day today, call whoever you would ideally want to have um, a stronger relationship with than, than you do right now. And that takes some effort. It takes some effort to maintain relationships. And like you say, it can be scary. And uh, we fall into default mode of, of the path of least resistance where we say, oh, well, I texted even. And that is a form of communication where you're saying, well, you know, let's have some face-to-face or at least sounded ear kind of thing Mm -hmm. with a phone call and let's work on creating and maintaining the relationships with the people that matter because that is what really brings us uh, satisfaction and it brings that sense of community and fulfillment that a lot of people we talk about we at the beginning we can talk about money and money is wonderful and it is good but it is not fulfilling like a relationship not that we can't have both but Mm -hmm that it is it is our connections to other people that are that are meaningful and real that really uh make us feel good and alive and that is i think as we're discussing part of the reason why you're saying our faith matters our faith our connections with people our connections with god these are the things that are going to make us feel good and help us to be able to navigate whatever real life situation we're in So is there anything else you want to make sure that we cover before we close today? Well, like I said, the one thing we always try to do is make it practical. And I think that that's one of the things we definitely accomplished today was discussing about how this actually practically steps into it. Because, um, you know, the the criticism that we've had in the past is, well, regardless how you cut it, Jesus was here 2,000 years ago. You know, why does trying to have a relationship with him now actually matters to me today? And I think that's what we we kind of outlined here today was having a a centering thought and a prayer life does develop this. All of these stemming fears is not wanting to be in that place of guilt that's inside of us. But really the, the best and maybe even the only way that I was able to overcome that was realizing that you know, there's a faith here and diving in and and reading the teachings um, about why the faith says what it says. 
Um, you know, just flat out, I read the Gospel of Luke. Um, just picked it because it was one in four, and that was the one we picked. Um, and, you know, you see people, especially if, if you're reading it like, I just want to get through this, like I'm forced to do it, you won't get anything out of it. But if you're reading it like you actually want to relate to the characters in it, like you would with a very well-written movie or something, um, you'll get so much more out of it, especially if you stop and think some backstory into it. Um, you know, you can pick, a, there's all kinds of different examples um, in, in all of them, but it'll relate to you. You know, am I worse off than the person who's being literally ostracized from the village and being forced to shout that I'm unclean? Um, you know, probably not. Uh, you probably, and that person didn't do anything to deserve it either. Um, but, you know, what what's going on? And you can just think about different examples there. So, and that really all stems from a desire, as you said, you have to do some steps yourself, but really once you get going down the road um, of, of living that way, it doesn't become nearly as hard as it looks like at the start. It, it's one of these things that when you look back at it, it's, it's like that was, that looked like it was going to be a lot, but it really wasn't. It was really fairly easy. Almost like the fear you have at the top of a very high wa- water slide. Like it looks like it's going to be, you're going to die if you go down this thing. But in reality, it, it actually was really good. And when you look back and you go, it wasn't that bad. I'm very glad I went through that. And that's um, that's essentially what paying dedication to a to a faithful life and a, and a prayer life will really put you in. That is wonderful. And as we talked earlier about that feeling of guilt and those bad feelings, and you mentioned through reading the scriptures, and I am a Christian, and I believe that it is through our relationship with Christ that is the way to let go of those bad feelings by giving them to Him so that we can feel good. And it's not that I am bad, and it's not even that I feel bad. It's I feel great. And I think that is my desire and my goal with my relationship with Christ is joy, living joy. Yeah, and and that's really what what it ultimately becomes. I mean, you think about it, at the end of the day, have you really truly seen a happy alcoholic? Um, That's using modern chemicals to avoid the, the... those feelings or would you rather essentially confront them and be better off for them and that that's what the faith life gives you absolutely. the spirituality gives you oh well thank you for visiting with me today joe oh well thank you for having me yes absolutely thank you awesome in closing i'd like to share a quote by joyce meyer she said it's important to have a relationship with god he's the only one that can get down inside of you and heal what needs to be healed inside. Today, I invite you to return to a place of faith in your life so that you can heal deep down inside. See you next time on Linda's Corner. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode of Linda's Corner, please share and subscribe to help us reach new listeners. I also invite you to check out my nonprofit, Hope for Healing, at the website hopeforhealingfoundation.org for free ebooks and other free resources to help increase happiness, build confidence and self-esteem, strengthen relationships, manage stress, and calm feelings of depression and anxiety. I also invite you to grab a copy of one of my books, like Crushed, A Journey Through Depression, or Amazon bestseller, You Got This, an action plan to calm fear, anxiety, worry, and stress. See you next time on Linda's Corner.